0: you're listening to very loose women
1: Hello, you're tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM, and this is Very Loose Women. I'm Ilya Rogachevsky, honorary 6th Loose Woman, Resonance engineer and former guest on the show. Tonight I will be playing back my interview with Austrian sound artist and DJ Susanna Kirchmayer, a.k.a. Electric Indigo. Kirchmeier began her career in 1989 as a techno DJ in Vienna before moving to Berlin to produce work that oscillates between experimental club music and electroacoustic listening music. On Thursday 18th of May, Electric Indigo will return to the UK stage at South London's eclectic venue to perform an immersive granular synthesis piece called 109.47 Degrees. This work uses the ideal tetrahedral angle in foam as a metaphor to describe a multifocal society of individuals who live in an interdependent globalized world. Kirchmeier is probably best known in the UK as the founder of the international online database Female Pressure. I began our interview by asking Kirchmeier, what female pressure is?
0: Uh, female pressure is uh, in the first place an online uh, database of uh, women, non-binary and transgender uh, artists uh, who work in the uh, electronic music scene, club culture and also in digital arts related to these fields. For example, VJs or graphic designers for cover artwork, uh, or visual artists who do installations combined with uh, electronic music, etc. And uh, it is a network that has been growing over uh, 19 years now. And meanwhile, comprises uh, over 1,900 people from, I think, 72 countries at the moment. I started it because uh, touring as a DJ, I have confronted like remarks about the exceptionality that it is that I do my job uh, while being a woman too, and. In the beginning, I found this quite astonishing because when I started to DJ, I did not think about my sex or my gender. Uh, I started it because of the love for music and the the joy of uh, playing records. Um, But I I found that pretty annoying that people didn't know any other uh, female DJs or producers uh, or visual artists. And uh, I was usually confronted with this ignorance uh, in the middle of the night, either like shortly before set at 3 a.m. or shortly after <laughs> with uh, 100 dB or so uh, in the room and really not ideal circumstances to uh, adequately uh, talk about uh this subject, and my usually my answer was something like, yes, it's true, there are more guys than girls, but uh, you must not forget, and then I started to list, to name other female uh, DJs and producers. And at some point, and that was like in the mid-90s, when it was also clear that the internet uh, is going to be like a very important uh, media in the very near future, um, I thought I need to systematize this. And uh, I want to have like a reference that, uh, like something I can refer to in the middle of the night uh, and tell people, well, you know what, there is a huge database uh, of female teachers, and you can look up others there. And, Parallel to this database, I uh, also saw the necessity of communication within this network, and so we have been creating a mailing list. And this mailing list is really still, even though even uh, though there are like a lot of Facebook groups and other social media and Twitter accounts that we have, but. Uh, it's still our main tool of communication and evolving and coordinating new projects. So the mailing list and the database are really important and uh, that is what I personally have been taking care of and administrating for 19 years now. And there, in the the past, over the years, uh, we've had like Quite a few uh, special projects as well. And since 2013, there is also like a Facebook page, and the, there are like groups in Berlin manifesting. With uh, first, it was like the Perspectives Festival, and out of that grew. Uh, some other initiatives like the Meetup Berlin crew and so like uh, other side uh, projects and, and independent projects like evolve out of this uh, female pressure uh, sphere and uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. So it, still it's hard to find to define what female pressure really is because it's not a collective it's way too big and too diverse for being a collective I rather see it as a hard to define swarm of more or less like-minded people in many countries and uh, first of all I see it as a tool that uh, one can use either members or also like everybody who is not a member. It's a tool that you can use for your intentions. It depends like what you want to do. For example, several audiovisual projects that emerged through female pressure contacts. Um, there is, uh, of course, there is also uh, potential for political action, like our Roshava. Compilation that we did. Could you t- uh,
1: talk a little bit about that? Actually, that's something that I've got written down. Have you had much involvement with the Rajava project?
0: Yes and no. Uh, it it was Antje Greyer's idea to uh, to do something about the the conflict in Syria and uh, the Middle East, and because she found out and she was really fascinated by uh, this movement. In uh, Roshava, with the uh, uh, direct democracy um, and equality of uh, women and men coming from that region, is of course like very exceptional. And uh, it's, it's like a, it's, it seemed to be like a utopia uh, growing in a real place in the middle of a heavy war zone. So um, we wanted to show our solidarity and our respect for for the women uh, there, like holding up so strongly and fighting for the better. Um, so we we did this uh, compilation uh, of solidarity with Rocheval, and my role. <laughs> I actually wanted to contribute a track, mm-hmm. but. I couldn't, I could not find really, I, I had these problems there are overwhelmingly severe and it, it's pro, it's wrong to say the problems there because these problems are here, they're like, I think they are like really affecting us in many ways directly. I was overwhelmed. I could not find a an appropriate artistic form to react to it. This is why I don't have a track on the compilation. I did not, you know, like there are a lot of tracks, of course, that use voices talking about the subject. And that's obviously like the the way to go. But this is not my artistic language, you know, these. So with, with my means, with doing an abstract piece of music, I tried, but I failed. I could not do it. Uh, like everything on femapressure.net is, is my work, so I administrate this, and uh, I, I helped like uh, compiling texts and links, and uh, so I, was, uh, I had a supportive role, but not a real active role mm-hmm. in that project.
1: Uh, one of the things you do with Female Pressure is publish reports on women working within the music industry right. um, and the last one was published in two, 2015 I believe. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, talking about women's presence at festivals, record labels, club nights some stuff like that. Yes, yes, so the... how well was this report received and is there scope to do more work?
0: Uh, we are actually working on a new survey um, we the original plan was to release, this, release it again on uh, International Women's Day this year, mm-hmm. so to make it like a reg, regular biannual uh, report, we couldn't manage, and we decided to make the next one um, more like systematical and more extensive, and release it in August 2017, with a um, uh, survey of the evolvement and of tendencies. So we're going to compare uh, uh, various festivals over the years from uh, 2013 to 2017. As it looks now, we're, we're still in the process, process of collecting data and, and then we will decide like which scope we can achieve um the i think the especially the survey 2013 was really important because we created really a huge media attention with that it's it's crazy i, I couldn't believe it but we actually were the first to publish numbers of how gender balance in festival lineups and uh, obviously that uh, hit the nerve, and (laughs) uh, like a lot of people like started to talk about this issue. So the media presence and the awareness um, are quite large, but the actual facts I think have not changed much. (laughs) With single festivals, I think yes, like, the good ones, let's say, the ones with the good intentions, the political aware ones, um, and the pure commercial ones. I think they just don't care.
1: No, because they they need to bring in, they need to bring in money, don't they, uh, punters?
0: Um, yeah, they have other priorities yeah. than making the society better. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so you're going to be coming to London soon. Um, you're going to be performing 109.47 degrees at Eclectic. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that piece? Can you quickly talk about that?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the piece is a listening piece, exploring like how very old instruments or traditional instruments can be uh, transformed into something like that reminds more of a uh, a trip into outer space. (laughs) So it it has, like every time I play this piece, it feels, it it, it creates associations of uh, spaceships and uh, planets nobody has ever been before and uh, kind of uncanny atmospheres. I created the, the music uh, from recordings of a Baroque organ that I played myself in, in Viseo in Portugal and uh, recordings of the inside of a piano played by my friend and colleague Angelina Yershova in Rome. And uh, I just found this uh, a raw material Really inspiring because the especially the organ, um, it a baroque organ still has like well the organ that I played uh, had this um, was completely mechanical, uh, so the register just pulled only the halfway or uh, only a little bit sound like breathing organisms. You could hear the stream of air through the pipes very much and uh, also the registers were really like not stable, uh, played this way and sometimes would jump all the way out or in and would create these like uh, hard-hitting short noises. Uh, So this was really like just a very uh, inspiring source material that I could use there. And um, the title comes from a tetraetic angle, which is uh, like the ideal angle to make foam as stable as possible. So you have, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's it's an... You can see it as an analogy to uh, granular synthesis as well, if you like. So you have like the little units, like the bubbles in the foam, uh, and the grains in the granular synthesis, and uh, together they uh, form a completely different uh, shape or uh, material. The the reason why this came about was actually, again, an invitation uh, to a festival called Dunkle Zeiten. Uh, and the theme of the festival was membranes. And thinking about membranes, I thought about these uh, bubbles, um, the foam, and the foam creating like a larger form. Uh, and I also had to think about slaughter dike and... Uh, his his uh, trilogy spheres, where foam is like the third part, and Sloterdijk thinks about the foam as as society as a whole. So there are all the little bubbles, and together they uh, like the social bubbles, and together they are like uh, the bigger structure of uh, bigger societies so there there are all these like uh ideas uh in the piece, but in the end it's it's a it's a aesthetic listening uh experience and feels more like a like a
1: journey maybe if I can ask how would you define granular synthesis because you mentioned that phrase a little bit early on.
0: Well, the a, a very simplified um, explanation would be granular synthesis as a way to synthesize sounds uh, from pre-existing either um, audio recordings or so-called uh, wave tables. Uh, so, in any case, you have an audio wave, and you use that to generate new sounds and you do so by taking very short pieces of uh, this audio wave and these short pieces are called grains and therefore granular synthesis. And the grain is by uh, itself is so short that the human ear cannot uh, really recognize it as a musical sound, it would rather sound like a short click or something. But the trick is that you uh, take a lot of grains and uh, usually they also overlap and they can vary in length Anyway, you overlap these grains and by overlapping and uh, multiplying them and playing them back in various forms, you create a new sound. And on top of that new sound, you can apply all the normal uh, parameters for uh, synthesis. During In this process, you create a new sound that comes from a source material but it uh, does not necessarily sound in any way like the source material.
1: So I understand that you've used this um, method in pieces such as Morpheme, which mm-hmm. samples Sadie Plant's uh, a phrase that Sadie Plant had uh, used at a conference. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder if, uh, first of all, um, you see this sort of pulling apart of um, sound sources as a sort of political tool, and, um that's my first question, and the second one is uh whether you sort of uh, aware of this uh strand within sound theory that says there's been kind of an overabundance of men kind of using and cutting up female voices, and that being a sort of a dangerous area
0: you know what i I've been thinking a lot and kind of struggling um with conveying political attitude like uh, in in my artistic work because I my music is very abstract and I definitely prefer like uh, abstract ways of expression At the same time I think it's an artist's duty to uh, reflect the, the times we live in and um, I'm very often questioning uh, myself like, how can I react, and I do not find any satisfying answers yet, but I think, yes, uh, one way is to use voices, but uh, make them, <laughs> con- like process them in a way that I like. Uh, so because I'm, I'm not too much into into vocal music. I'm having actually a quite interesting uh, project right now discussing exactly this point, uh, together with uh, Antje Greil, AGF, uh, for a publication that will come out later this year. Um, anyhow, so uh, using a sentence like Sadie Plant talking about noise and cybernetics is, just very inspiring, and having that conceptual constriction of only using this material as a basic raw material to develop a whole piece out of it, that is like an artistic challenge that I find really uh, inspiring. I think the problems we are facing are so complex, and I don't, I also must say, I don't fully understand the complexity of it. So any sort of explicit message in my music would seem inappropriate to me. And I haven't really found a solution for for that uh, general problem, how to be political in my art. I don't know yet. I'm, I'm still <laughs> uh, thinking about it and, and looking for ways uh, to do that. But, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, any sort of occupation with what other women say and a admiration of it is, is per se already sort of political. I actually did not answer to one of your questions, but uh, also I don't really have, like, such a strong opinion about it. It was a question about... Uh, Men uh, chopping up female vocals yes. in music. I I'm really I'm I'm I am really i am i do not know much about this mm. issue. I must confess. What I know from friends who are actually uh, singers and vocalists is that, uh, for example, Caro Churchill uh, from Manchester. She also produces music, I think, with other people or for other people. And uh, she has this experience with uh, male sound engineers, like low-cutting female voice at 500 uh, hertz or even higher, <laughs> and taking Away the bass from the female voice, for hmm. example, uh, stuff like this. I think it's a very interesting subject, but I'm just not an expert for it, so I don't. I don't really know. I just find also like the typical role of the female singer or the the w- woman as a deliverer of some additional musical material is pretty annoying. So that's like an annoying cliche. Um, Again, this is not really my world, so I don't don't have to deal with that. Uh, I'm not a singer, and I have never been, like my voice has never been chopped up, and the women I work with might have this experience, but it has not been really that sort of issue yet so I don't know enough about it to to really talk about
1: Mm, another research project perhaps
0: well maybe after that uh, publication with Antje because we discuss uh, we started the discussion with me saying like I have a problem with vocals in music (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like instrumental versions and uh, She's saying like that she totally admires that each human voice is an absolutely unique instrument and it cannot be like replaced by anything else, <laughs> etc. So we have uh, quite uh, opposing views and it can be like a very interesting discussion and maybe this will this uh, issue will uh, come up as well. Uh, but i um, I don't think I will make it my personal research project. There are others. I think Carol Churchill does actually a lot of research, considering, I don't know if you're familiar with her? Um, no. No, she she also works uh, for and with uh, Delia Derbyshire okay, yeah. uh, Archive in Manchester. Mm-hmm. She would be the better person to ask that.
1: Normally, we ask the guests um for a mini celebration and a gripe. so something that's really good that's happened in your well in the last week, and something that you're not so keen on. So first of all, have you got a mini celebration and a gripe?
0: Ah, uh, the celebration is that definitely i'm a bit, I'm working on an album right now, and the celebration is. <laughs> <laughs> that I finished one of the tracks in a way that I feel really good about, <laughs> and that's very special for me. So that is definitely a celebration, and um, the not-so-good thing, the first thing that comes into my mind is is really a very sad thing. I, for the first time in over 30 years, I was at a, at a funeral because, uh, not a very close friend, but... Uh, friend um, was buried, and it was Armin Medos, and Armin Medos uh, has been a pioneer of net culture in, in Europe, and he recently died at a, a too young age, um, and I was at his funeral, uh, and that was like definitely one of the saddest moments and days in a very, very long time. So, I would really like to um, pass on this memory of Armin Midos, who uh, was like a very important thinker for our generation and a great artist, too.
1: Um sorry to hear about your loss is that
0: too sad for the radio show (laughs) no
1: No, it's okay um uh, i should probably mention my mini celebrations and gripes as well because the presenters have to do it too um i guess my mini celebration is that uh the sun's finally come out again and uh, it's getting it's slowly getting warmer and my gripe is sort of it's a good and bad thing i've got loads and loads of interviews planned and lots of editing to do um not just yours but uh it's there aren't enough hours in the day to um, uh, do all of the things that you that you absolutely must. Um, so that's my, my mini gripe. Um, I can't be late. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that was Austrian artist Susanna Kirchmeier speaking to me earlier in the month. You've been listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. Don't forget that this show is podcast on Acast and iTunes. You can grab it there or listen again on the Resonance Mix Cloud. Next up is a Global Globules with Baconface, so stay tuned. I'll leave you with Auntie Greer's contribution to the Rojava Project called Thoughts on Rojava. Good night.
0: There are many ways how it's the people, we, the people. Based on principles such as gender equality, ecology,
1: and radical grassroots democracy. United.